Hugh de Rougeon stands in the dimly lit church. Unlike many other churches, this one has no cross above the altar, no statues of saints or gold chalices. Instead, there is a bare wooden table with a white circle daubed on the wall. No bishop or priest led the service. Instead, small groups spoke quietly to one another, offering communal confessions and greeting each other as equals, despite some coming from noble families while others from more humble origins. Hugh's Lord is mingling among the various groups, reassuring and reinforcing their faith in him and their shared religion. Hugh is not the only worshipper to be clad in armour, and whilst he is unarmed, his sword and shield are within easy reach propped against the wall. In the distance, Hugh can hear the ominous booming sound of the enemy's catapults. He itches with frustration as he waits for his lord to finish his tour of the room. Finally, Hugh's master strides confidently towards the exit, and Hugh rearms himself and follows behind. Out in the street, the smell of death is thick on the air. Hugh, along with 30 other knights, keep a close guard of their lord as he races down the winding streets to the walls. The streets were filled with fleeing citizens, many running to the churches for divine protection, whilst others desperately try and arm themselves. The enemy are at the gates. But Hugh and his lord are not overly worried. They both know that the enemy have agreed to negotiate. Knowing how formidable the citadel's walls are, and how costly it would be to be taken by force. At the gates, Hugh mounts up alongside his fellow knights, and follow their lord through the gates and out of the city. About a mile distant, the enemy artillery have fallen silent. As the party gallops towards the enemy lines, Hugh spies a large white tent on a rise about half a mile away. This is their destination. Hugh is confident that their enemies have realised just how tough their task has become and imagines that the negotiations would be swift and advantageous for his master, his city and most of all, his religion. But Hugh was too confident. As the party enters the confines of the negotiation tent, they are greeted by the enemy commander himself, Bishop Amaury, his mouth upturned in an evil smirk. Before Hugh's master could speak, the party were surrounded on all sides by Templar knights and Genoese crossbowmen. Hugh, disbelieving and filled with righteous rage, charges forward on instinct, aiming to reach Amaury. He gets only a few steps before he is brought down by seven crossbow bolts. Crashing to the floor and in his final moments, he sees his lord roughly taken by the huge Templar knights. The cause is lost. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Cloak and Dagger podcast. Uh, you're listening to your host, Will Davis Coleman, and I'm joined as ever by my co-host, Patrick Corney. Hey, Patch. Hey, Will. How are you doing? I'm okay. Yeah, not too bad. Looking forward to getting into this Caveat City episode. We had a couple, well, quite a long time ago now, several, how many episodes ago was it? Oh, it's really difficult to remember. So many. <laughs> a number of episodes ago. Well, we had Iceland, as I assume what we're talking about. Yeah, Reykjavik. Reykjavik, yeah, yes. Reykjavik. With the uh, the guy who would uh, throw, what was it? Didn't he throw a couple of uh, logs over the side to, oh, to yeah. find Reykjavik? Yes, yeah, so when they when they discovered the the Smoky Bay, which is what it's named for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smoky yeah. Bay. Yeah, can't remember the dude's name. No, I, <laughs> Olaf. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not Olaf. Definitely not Olaf. So this week we'll be looking at another small. I don't want to say minor city, but basically. When we were planning this series, we wanted to make sure that there were ones which were just done by one each, basically, instead of just covering a whole city together. Yeah. And 
Patrick chose Reykjavik and I chose Carcassonne, as you'll know from uh, the episode name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it'd be very weird if you had no idea what the, the, the what the city of this episode was going to be. Yeah, yeah. And you just clicked randomly, which maybe you did. If, you, if you're willing to just assume it will be a good episode because we're so great at this, then, you know, I love you. Thank you very much. I appreciate the boldness. Yes. So if you're a brand new listener, we have, I think, over 40 episodes prior. We should really have counted them before we did I'm pretty, this. Yeah. But over 40 hours of content for you to watch. Where do you watch? For you to listen to where we cover all sorts of things the older episodes all on assassinations and then we've done episodes on cities and war and battles we've done a pretty wide range we have yeah because i think we get bored quite easily and we like to look <laughs> around for other things <laughs> yeah yeah also don't forget to check out our instagram at cloak and dagger podcast where you can check out lots of imagery and extra content based around all our episodes it really helps to kind of flesh out the stories we're telling and we you can also get in touch with us we and i say we will gets in touch with all of you in response to all of you <laughs> that message us on instagram we really love hearing um i mean i also do love hearing from you as well i just what i, I do is i say I, I send him all of your ones in whatsapp screenshots yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i go oh what a great guy or yeah great person yeah <laughs> But on that note, this episode has actually been uh, recommended to us by one of you guys, one of the listeners. Ooh. Uh, so we have Stefan to thank for um, choosing this particular story. So if you're listening, Stefan, thank you very much for this. And Thank if, you very much. If, if any of you guys have any suggestions of things you want to see in the future, this is living proof that we listen and that we take it into consideration so, yes yeah. and all earnings from this episode will go to stefan right uh, yeah all, all earnings of it. zero <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah as you know we don't make any money from this podcast but we just love doing it it's a passion project yes so yeah without further ado i think we should get on with it let's do it Okay, so to start off, as usual, I'm going to give a quick history in a nutshell of the city in question. Today's one is on Carcassonne. Carcassonne, for those of you who don't know, is situated in the south of France, towards the Spanish border. So you're right. looking in the distance, if you were really eagle-eyed, you'd see the Pyrenees uh, in the distance, but you have to be pretty that, eagle-eyed. That's kind of a bold statement, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, I've been there, and you can see it from around really? it. Yeah, it's not that far. So he's proper south. Oh, yeah, really, really, really far south. Right, It's okay. kind of, it's not far from Toulouse. Ah, uh, okay, that makes so, sense. Yeah, which will come into the story later. Um, but yeah, so uh, to get into it, so the name comes from the proto-Gallic word Kazakh, which means hillfort. Which oh. makes sense, really, when you think about the geography of it. It actually does sit on a hill, as so many of our cities, as you can yeah. tell. Humans are not very good at coming up with names. It's always really basic. It's just like, this is what it is in the other language. Or it's named after a dude. That's all it is. Absolutely. I think we've already mentioned the place in Wales that's named Hill four times or three times. Oh, no, no. It's not actually in Wales. It's in Gloucestershire, and it's Breeden Hill. And it's uh, oh, yeah. Bree, Don, and Hill yep. all mean hill. Yep. <laughs> yeah, really inventive people. <laughs> yeah, there's a place in um in Gower in Wales called Kevinbrin, which means Kevin's Hill. Nice, <laughs> nice. Well, it's just like it's. I guess it's just what people would have called it. Yeah. It's the same with like like English last names where they're not lyrical. It'd be like Kevinson is Kevin's son or you know Smith is you are a blacksmith like they're not very it's just like a way of describing it turns into its name as opposed to someone coming up with some fantastical 
you know, Tolkien-esque name for somewhere, which is really cool and really evocative. There's none of that, really. No, there isn't. Although I would say Reykjavik. I know it is literally a smoky Reykjavik bay. is quite good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. pretty cool. Smoky Bay. It is descriptive, yeah. but... And I wonder if it sounds kind of lame. I mean, Smoky Bay sounds really cool in our language. I wonder if Reykjavik sounds like in those words together it. make it sound cool as well. Probably. Mm. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. Do you know that Northumberland means north of the Humber land? <laughs> I had I mean, no idea. I mean, of course it does, because yeah. that's exactly what it says. But you never think of Umberland as the Humber? The Humber. Oh, which yeah. is the river that cuts it in half where Hull is. So what's Cumberland? Oh, good question. Well, Cumberland is Cumbria now, but it must have meant something else. Yeah. Something sea and then Umberland. Yeah. Strange, isn't it? But anyway, yeah, there yeah. you go. Uh, but back to Carcassonne in the heat of the south of France. Right. To describe where it is, it is on a hill. A quite a big hill, and it's surrounded by flat land. You can see it for miles. Ah, okay. Classic, important place to put a city, a fort, or anything. Absolutely. Yeah. Plus, it's sort of wine country as well, so it's like Ooh. rich. Think Toussaint in The Witcher, for anyone who plays. Right. Similar vibes. <laughs> I mean, that's like heavily based on south of France, but yeah, yeah I like using that as the visual. reference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, just, I've literally just turned that around. Yeah, I? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Life like, imitating art, I imitating feel like life. There is more people who know South of France than know The Witcher. So I know, but I feel like Toussaint looks so gorgeous. They do it, it so well, you know. It does, but again, just recreating what France genuinely looks like. Looks like looked because like. now there's more industry down there, and it's a bit more, more sad. and hotter, and really like really hot down there. Like it's supposedly so they're losing the wine trade, and we're getting it because yeah. of global warming, which Kent. makes it sound like it was something we did. <laughs> Which kind of we did with Industrial Revolution. Maybe that's why they did it. Yeah, but we can't blame everything on the British Empire. I'm sorry, but it's everyone Watch at the me. time. <laughs> anyway, so it sits in a very interesting position. So it's surrounded by rich countryside, which obviously feeds the city. Mm-hmm. And obviously, whenever there was a band of chieftain warlords coming through, they'd all rush up into Carcassonne yeah. because he was de- defended, which is a, a normal thing. But also, it connected the Mediterranean seaports... So down on the south, if you're yeah. thinking about it. So of the places like Agde and Set, they're right down there. Mm-hmm. And Narbonne. And it connected those to the Atlantic coast in the north. Right. So, so it's it, the land crossing connecting these two great oceans. Absolutely. Wow, that's pretty, so, that's a pretty big deal. It is. It is a really big deal. And so it was always a place which people would pass through on their way with trade. So it's just a bit like Kabul. It's that idea that people passing through it. Right. Well, this makes sense. It's People who didn't want to loop round Spain because of whatever reasons, it's yeah. a quicker path. I guess a kind of is it shorter? It's overland. I don't know. Depends it, which way you're where you're heading as well. Yeah, I guess that's thing. If you're going north, it probably makes sense rather than going all the way back around. Because yeah, it's yeah. normally quicker to just sail anywhere. But I guess there's probably a myriad of reasons why you couldn't. But what are storms like back in the day? You had to be careful. Storms back in the day. The, the Spanish. They could attack you. The you Spanish. Know, the Moors. Yeah, yeah. Could be anyone coming the after Basques. you. The Basques. Yeah, all sorts. Anyway, um, the actual site itself is actually really, really old. I had to check this a few times, but the earliest inhabitants date back as far back as 3500 BCE. Wow. Before any... I have no idea what history is back then. Me neither. I think it's so early. Old Kingdom? Well, the, well, Egypt? This is what I mean. It makes sense if you're in the cradle of civilization. Yeah, but in... Up in the north? I mean... Basically, like Hill prehistoric. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You're talking Cavemen Neolithic. Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, it, it's an important trading site for the. Uh, so sort of fast, fast forward from 3,500 BC, it became a very important trading site for the Gallic tribe Volcai Tectasagis. Lovely pronunciation. Thank you very much. 
who controlled it from around 6th century BCE until the Romans obviously conquered it under Julius Caesar. Right, okay. Right. So, you know, it was pretty a good pretty good run. Yeah, it had a good run. And exactly. then Caesar. And then Romanization. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and obviously, what did the Romans do? They built a thriving Roman town around it. Mm. Sort of like... Around uh, the hill. Around the hill, yeah. Right. And they left the hill. Uh, they, they built on top of the hill it seems like before the romans were there that it was a wooden palisade yeah because nothing survives of the pre-roman walls uh, but the existing fortifications if you go there today are were laid down the original ones at the very bottom of the of the wall were laid down by the romans in approximately 100 ce wow yeah that's pretty cool pretty cool yeah yeah, yeah. so um sort of zoom through the roman empire you get up to the other side and when things are going really wrong for the romans uh by 462 ce the visigoths were given the city so it wasn't taken by force it was given to the city sorry it was given the city to the visigoths by the romans as a peace offering so there was no sort of Fall of Rome, oh my god, everything's burning. That mm. didn't happen, which really helped it in your favourite term for it, the Dark Ages. Yeah, it's not my favourite term. <laughs> I just use it because I know it winds you up. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, so, yeah, they were able to, um, I wouldn't say thrive, but not completely implode right. after the Romans left which it. Is, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty high bar, actually. <laughs> it, it pretty is, Being yeah. able to just not implode. Exactly, yeah. Uh, and they even managed to hold it against the beginnings of the Muslim invasion. Really? Wow. So it's got clearly quite a formidable fortification if it can survive so well against two of the largest kind of European, Middle Eastern-esque empires ever to rule. I mean, well, I suppose the Moors came out there weren't one empire, but, you know, the large invasions through Europe. Yeah, absolutely. But they only just... They held oh, off. <laughs> a, the initial wave came up to it and went, fuck that. Oh, right. Mo- moved around it. <laughs> Just not worth it. <laughs> exactly. Not worth it. That's, that's probably the, the biggest like plus a fortification can have not seeming worth it. Yeah. Like, r- like fuck actual defences. If you just don't seem like it's a worthwhile endeavour and you can just walk past them yeah. and do it. Well, this is the thing. So they did that and then they came back and then they took it over. Okay. Well, and, But they only held it for 40 years because then the Franks turned up the, under Charles Martel and beat them out, out and they all returned to Spain. So that all worked quite well. So it only had... There's no... Um, I don't believe there's any uh, residual culture acculturation from the really? Berbers. Yeah, there's, but they're only there 40 years. It's really nothing. Yeah, yeah. You and know. they're most part, like, yeah, that's quite far north for them. So, you know, it's most it's mostly Spain that gets a lot of that kind of Islamification. I don't know if that's a proper word, but yeah. that kind of, you know, lots of All architecture of and culture. Whereas, yeah, France never really got that much of it, I guess. No. And it's probably just because it's so far north and then places like this that could resist. Absolutely. Um, so after that, Charlemagne... The, the big boy himself. Heard of him. Yeah. He granted Carcassonne to a warlord named Bello, which I find really funny because Bella is the Latin word for war. So, <laughs> so the warlord the named warlord war. war. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. War the warlord uh, and his descendants who became the counts of Carcassonne for the next 300 years. They're controlling it. Which They're is... controlling it independently or are ruled by Charlemagne? Like a vassal. His... Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Charlemagne didn't really hold power. He kind of was... 
He was yeah, always on the move. Influential around everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he did it really, really well. And as soon as he died, his sons and grandsons completely destroyed his empire by infighting. That sounds... Uh, you know what we're realising? That happens a lot more than you'd expect. There's, mm. I think probably the majority of empires fall after the first guy because he doesn't set up a knife. He doesn't have a proper heir or that. I guess that's the most dangerous part of the empire because it could be like, all right, main guy's gone is this a bit naff or is this to here to stay? Yeah. And so, because like, that's what happens to... Oh, fuck, what's his name? Alexander the Great? <laughs> no, from um, Michael Bull episode. Um, oh, Baba. No, the other one. Kind of happened with Baba. Oh, Timmer. 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 Tamerlane, same game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Timmer, because he, his empire, his, like, his is known as, like, he set up a dynasty because immediately his empire fell apart because he didn't have enough, like, there was no strong central governance, no clear air. Yeah. So I wonder if actually most empires, because we, we wouldn't have heard of most empires. So well, most empires are probably one person long. Yeah, I wonder. I, I, I think there's lots of different factors involved. Mm. And I don't like the great men of history narrative, that mm. it all comes down to one man, normally man, who controls that whole... It's if, yeah, if, but it would seem like prior to the death of the first person... Has it been set up? Yeah, and maybe it's got nothing to do with the guy. It's whether he's the empire he's set up has become self-sustaining and worth it, or is he just doing it by sheer force of personality? And actually, it vanishes as soon as he goes because men aren't able to have that big of an impact. And actually, they—it's kind of proof that that doesn't fit. Yeah, with, you know, possibly. But then you look at—I guess the exception being the Roman Empire. Yeah, but that's Augustus was a genius. And actually, do you know what he did at the end? He said, "You can clap now." <laughs> and they all clapped until he died. Wow. Because <laughs> he that's, did so well. That's great. Yeah, but then also the Roman Republic was a big deal before it. He did it wasn't it didn't come out of nothing. It came out of quite a, you know, industrialist conquering kind of empire like, but slightly more oligarchical democratic version of the empire. So I guess there was something to work with. Whereas a lot of the other empires we talk about, like Timur, and I guess like this as well, it's just sort of a guy that kind of springs out of nowhere, does quite well, and then vanishes. Yeah, maybe. I do see that. I think also, um, yeah, because our story is set in the medieval period, everything's starting to pick up again after the fall of Rome mm. and, and the big Dark Age period. It's all starting to centralise. Power is beginning to close in. And right. this is what Bello and his descendants are a part of. They become the Counts of Carcassonne, mm. which means they are responsible for Carcassonne and its surroundings, but they owe their allegiance to a higher power. Right. Charlemagne. Yeah. And that is obviously then builds and builds and eventually you get the kings of France and then you have full centralization. Feudalism, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. it goes from there. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. I like I like the uh the progression. Yeah, it's interesting that actually yeah, the the feudal kind of kings and stuff was modern at a certain time. Yeah. That way of r- ruling was a modern thing. I kind of always assumed it's like that's how it's always been, but no, there was this kind of weirder, more scattered culture and civilization beforehand and actually that will come up in this because we're mm. in the middle of the beginnings of that centralization especially in france right so we'll get into that so uh bello the war the warlord uh ruled with his ancestors sorry with his descendants all the way through to 1067 year after the battle of hastings mm-hmm. and that is when the last of the bellanid as they were known counts um finally gave up the ghost and his only heir was his daughter in this time, daughters couldn't inherit. Mm-hmm. So her name was Ermengarde. And Ermengarde was married to a man named Raymond Troncavel. 
Great he name. sounds incredibly like French. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's totally not probably how he pronounced it, but that's how <laughs> I'm pronouncing it. Um, and the Tonkavels are very important. They're our main stay for this okay, episode. Right. And the city became the property of them from then on uh, until our period, which is in 1209. So these kind of this ruling family got into it by just marrying into the dying war people <laughs> yeah <laughs> essentially yeah. yeah yeah the old counts absolutely um the impressive walls that you see today were actually built after our story plays out but the previous walls were still impressive apparently because i saw okay. them if you go now they've been rebuilt a few times and they look so impressive really but actually they're not fake but they're kind of fake they've been you know we go to hadrian's wall yes yeah all the yeah. stones which are sort of all put back together with yeah. mortar you know yeah. they're actually all just lying there for thousands of, hundreds yeah, yeah. of years yeah it's put back together so it's the real stuff but it isn't it it's been restored exactly yeah it's like an old master yeah <laughs> <laughs> um okay so yeah the Troncavels are the uh the noble counts of Carcassonne during our story and they are both chivalrous and ruthless in equal measure they're a typical honestly typical just think your most typical noble family i think that goes hand in hand chivalrous and brutal i think that's quite actually chivalry is a bit messed up and a bit patriarchal and a bit domineering and that kind of stuff so yeah it's big, so true. big surprise by the time of our story in 1209 there had been six troncavel counts of carcassonne mm-hmm. so we're talking about the sixth one um, and they controlled a pretty large part of modern day Languedoc in the southwest of France, which borders Spain today. Uh, they only had one lord who was more important in the region, and that was the Count of Toulouse. So you had Toulouse as the big one. Ah, uh, I see. So Toulouse is a much bigger place. I mean, I guess it is. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. At this time, it's, it is a much more important place. Yeah, but really importantly, Toulouse is sort of like the big the big one. Mm-hmm. Then you had Carcassonne, and then you had a little place called Bézier. And they're all big fortified cities. Yeah. But they're the three, and together and the lands that they, those people control, hmm. they are holding their own independence from the King of France. Wow. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Because and like successfully. P- successfully. For centuries. Fuck. Because the King of France wasn't like the kings in England. He controlled just a tiny little part of France called the Ile de France, which is where Paris is, basically. Yeah. And then over time, he managed to subsume Normandy and Bordeaux and Aquitaine. Really? Yeah, so he had to... His was homogenous. He had to, like, grow it. All the... I mean, that's not too dissimilar to, to England. It's like Alfred. Yes, but it's happening much later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, at this point, England was a whole thing. But it's kind of similar to the more Saxon story of They're England, like, of it, of it yeah. growing slowly from a central point. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, it's 300 years later, which is sort of interesting because when we when we did it, when England was forming, yeah. obviously England mostly is an island or at least the majority of an island. So you have more natural places There's to a take cl- over. It really makes sense to rule the entire island. Exactly. Whereas France is just this sprawling countryside. Like it could be, it could have split into three different countries. Yeah. Arguably. So it's harder to like... Which it did. It Under Charlemagne's sons, they split it into three countries. Really? It literally splits... And you get three different places and then it fragments and then it just completely goes com- into loads and loads and loads of little places. Mm. And then he has to, the, the kings of France, when they come along, have to start from scratch and build <laughs> and build and build and build. Right. So at this stage, thanks to their big friends, the Counts of Toulouse, the Counts of Carcassonne, the Troncavels, are free of, they don't have an overlord, really. Other than maybe the rule of Toulouse. But... Yeah. 
Exactly. It's, it's, is it more of a partnership rather than Toulouse is like this city-state that rules smaller places? It's more of an alliance between these three. It's more cities. of an alliance. I don't think it's equal, though. The no. Toulouse lot are definitely in control, but they're not like they're not like the kings of Carcassonne. Yeah, yeah. It's not like that. So, yeah. So, these guys are pretty prosperous. They've got all of this trade coming in from the Mediterranean, from the mm. Atlantic coast, from what will become Spain. But actually, at this point, they actually... At some times in their history, at certainly this time, they actually owed more allegiance to the Counts of Aragon or the kings, the future kings oh, of Aragon, wow. which are over in Spain. Right. And that will become important later in the story because they have much more influence. And it makes sense because location-wise, they're closer to the Spanish side of, wow. the, of the thing than they are to Paris. I love... That's always really interesting when you, like, think back in history where... Because we're so used to the borders we're used to now... And so you think that this part of Carcassonne and Toulouse will have always been French. Yeah. But actually at this point, could have been Spanish. Absolutely. And, and actually culturally and ethnically, you know, it probably is a much closer variant. And it probably is a bit of that today as well. But like you just get so locked into, you know, this is where this begins and this is where it ends. Yeah. But actually it could have gone either way. And from their point of view, like it's a choice really. Or they choose neither and stay independent, which sounds like they were doing. Yeah. But, you know, they always had... The chance to run to one of them if they thought they were going to attack from so you play the them off the other, which is exactly what they do at certain points in their history, which right. I looked into and then realised it was too much of a rabbit hole to <laughs> include in this episode. Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, so uh, actually, it's interesting you should say that as well because um, the longer dock, which is the whole area they're in, that means the language of Oc, which is southern France. In mm. the in the old days, you had the long dui and the long dock and. It was basically how you said yes in French. So the long dui, people say oui in yeah, French. Yeah. The long doc was oc was their yes in French, in their version of French. Oh, weird. I know. They had a, like, an, like a weird older version of French. Yeah. And it was completely separate. Or just a different one. And we just end up having the, the northern one. Because, of course, the kings eventually assimilate the whole country and then their language is the north language. And it right. gets put into thing. But even today, if you go to Carcassonne, if you say C instead of we, people will understand you. Or rather, obviously, they'll understand you because they're not stupid. But they don't. They wouldn't recognize that as Spanish. It's uh, just, oh, yeah, you're saying yes. You know what I mean? That is weird. I, I like know. that, though. To this day. I love it. Yeah. Anyway, all of this independence is rubbing up the more centralized uh, powers the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Two in particular. The Pope in Rome... And the King of France up in Paris. What do the Pope care about it? Very good question. Uh, I almost called you something else there. Very <laughs> good question, Patrick. Uh, I'll tell you what he's got wrong with that. He is the head of the Catholic Church. And the other thing that Toulouse, Carcassonne and Bézier oh, have in common, go. they are Christians, but they are not Catholics. Right. But the fact that you haven't called them Protestants means they're not Protestants either. No, long before the Protestants, this yeah. is 1209. Yeah. So they're Greek Orthodox? <laughs> <laughs> no, they are, in fact, they are Cathars. Cathars. Yes. We actually get the word catharsis from this. Really? Mm. Does this ring a bell, Cathars? I don't know, it might, yeah. We, I think we might Other have than you this. mentioning it last week when we were talking about it, but I feel like there's a something Cathars made him ring a bell maybe yeah. I'll look it up after well back then whilst everything was centralising religion was the same mm. when Christianity first began we are actually um, sorry when Christianity first started 
it wasn't like we all believed. Like every believer had the same. There was no written down specific rules. belief. Yeah. yeah. So you had lots of offshoots. It's weird because you did have a Bible, but then there was lots of different like books within it, lots of different parts to it. Which ones are canon, which are not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that kind of stuff. And so you had lots of offshoots. And I think the one that we have today is Nestorian by nature. Mm. Mm, is it Nestorian? No, I don't think it is. It doesn't matter whatever it is. The point is, it's Nicene. It's the Nicene Christianity right. that survives, right? But back then, there were so many communities all across the uh, of, of Europe and beyond mm. which believed in Christ and God as we call them today, yeah. but not in the, worship them in the right way, or sorry, not the right way, but the Catholic way. Right. Well, I mean, it's not that different to today. I mean, we, we have spin-offs even now. Mm. Like, even everything became a bit more centralised, but you still get spin-offs all the time and, and different things. It, yeah, but... Not quite as intense as these ones, though. Yeah, uh, I, this is what's so interesting. Basically, I'm now going to explain what the Cathars believed and why it pissed off the Catholics. Let's see if you can see why it pissed them off. Right, okay. here we go. So, the Cathars would not accept that an, an omnipotent and eternal God could have been responsible for the material world. Wow, that's a pretty bold statement. Yeah. So, he's not all power. He didn't build everything. He is not the creator. Hang on. Okay. For them, this world, the material one that we all live on, was the work of an evil creator. Oh, ooh, I like that. I know, it's really cool. I really like reading about this. So such a creator was either a being fallen from the perfection of heaven, so, so like Lucifer. fallen angels, yeah, who had seduced a proportion of the angelic souls there and then entrapped them in matter, or he was a co-eternal power, quite ooh. independent from the good god of the spirit. Wow, a co but so equal kind of level. I so like dualism like, yeah, instead of it's dualism. Wow, that's that's pretty out there. The dark god and the light god, basically. Wow. It's the force. Yes. And a million other things as well, but yeah. It's the Jedi. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, that's really so yeah, these two like beings in constant conflict. Yeah. Wow. But I love the idea that um they th they think that the good god, the light god, is almost in your soul and that you're down in the evil world right but when okay. you die you are released into the your soul gets taken back to the light god i, I think. mean it i mean it kind of links to a lot of like you know earthly you know that that's kind of that is a that is a kind of assumption that christianity takes in quite often like these what's the word these like earthly possessions and stuff like that is vilified and you know the things of the earth weirdly tend to be considered bad mm. where, and not heavenly in a certain way. And that's kind of thing. So it's not surprising that they could kind of take that view of it. Is it also kind of inspired by older religions? Well, this is the thing. It seems to have come out of a little bit of, of the polypagan world that they had before. And it has been mixed in. I was kind of assuming it would be that kind of thing. Yeah. But at the same time, also, you've got to remember, you've got the Muslims ruled it for a little while. Mm -hmm. And you also you might have had a mixture there. And also because of where it sits in the Mediterranean, in the original, because it's been separate from the rest of the Catholic faith for such a long time, right. this might have come over in the first migrations coming back from after Christ. You know, it's just, it's always been there. Really ancient Christianity hasn't been, you know, Christianity pre the the church like the catholic church really like honing into it yeah. yeah exactly so it's really interesting um and so the only release for your soul 
which is encased in your material prison of your body, right. was through the Cathar ceremony of the Consolamentum, and which was the means by which that they could return their guardian spirits to their guardian spirits in heaven. So basically, you're like your spirit within you has like a like a parent big guy up in heaven that is always trying to get back to. So your astral self. Yeah. Sounds a little bit Mormon as well. There's sounds of... a little Mormon. It sounds very uh, kind of new agey, actually, really. <laughs> yeah. This is happening in the 1200s. Wow, I like it. I know. And so at the beginning, when uh, Hugh de Rougeon is in that church, hmm. there's no chalices and no no thing going on there. Wow. And they're all chatting in groups because consolamentum you do as a group. It's like a group counselling session. God, so this is such a far like version of Christianity. Yeah. And so did, and they didn't have crosses. Well, this is where it really gets a bit tricky for the Catholic Church. I think they could have sort of got over a lot of the stuff. Yeah. But the Cathars didn't believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Right. They did believe in Jesus. But they did and they liked him. They liked him. But they saw him as an angel. Kind of, or like a prophet sort of thing. No, no, no. Oh, still an angel. Literally an angel. Also still angelic. With only a phantom body. So basically, you know in Star Wars when you get the guy popping up in the the blue light. Well, when they're blue lights. When they're they're dead and they come back. Yeah, the force ghosts. The force ghosts. Yeah. They basically believe that Jesus' human form was a force ghost. Right. That does help. Yeah. Okay. So so they do worship him, but they don't have a cross in their church. They don't see him as a man who died for their sins. Right. Okay. That is a pretty big turn. That's almost a that's very close to a different religion. Yeah. Because it's not far off like Judaism. Yeah. Who didn't believe him at all. And have you know, it's 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 not it's like a it's a twist on Christianity. But there's also so many other things that come through here. So there's also they didn't believe that humans originally had souls. But you had to build it up through reincarnation. <laughs> right, okay. So basically, the idea is, given the imperfections of most people's lives, the process by which they can eventually get to heaven can't be completed rapidly in one lifetime. But instead, they had to transmigrate through a variety of different vessels, mm-hmm. as they called them, including animals, before entering the body of a person who understood that they could reach heaven. Right. So they were able, they've literally put in, I keep thinking like yin-yang, they've got kind of the Buddhism, there's definitely a Buddhism strain here, yeah. I feel like. and uh, Well, yeah, because that's, because like, it's getting to Nirvana through reincarnation. Exactly. Which is a big deal in lots of like Eastern religions. So there's, that's so interesting. But then has that come from some somewhere else? Or is that just kind of... Um, like emergent religions where they all tend to the same kind of stories and the same sort of stories tend to do well. That's really interesting. Right. I mean, the history of religions is a very cool and weird, because the history of like what people found so cosmically interesting and important to their lives that they're willing to dedicate their entire lives to it. That's a pretty important story. It's got to be a big, a good story. So what triggers that? And what like elements of the story does that for different groups of people is really interesting. Absolutely. That's amazing. And because they don't have a priesthood, you oh, have, okay. you're all helping each other. So it's like you, you have to help each other to Nirvana. Mm. That's the big thing. So um, civil authorities, right? 
That's had, not a good one for them. No. Had no claim on a Cathar. Uh, yeah. At all. Since this was the rule of the physical world. So Cathars are people who are God's chosen. So you're getting into a bit of like um, Jehovah's Witnesses now. Yeah, but I mean, all religions are God's chosen. Yeah. It, it it sounds more Jehovah's Witness. It sounds like more God's chosen when they are the small when they are the minority versus a majority. Yeah, because it's like no, we're the ones he really likes. Exactly. I've just seen you're gonna love this next bit. Cathars also oppose the killing of animals. Love it. And consuming of meat. See, that's also very kind of Buddhist, Eastern. There's got to be vegan. a connection there. It's yeah, it was <laughs> vegan, so yeah. But that's the thing. There's there's got to be a connection there. Yeah, I to don't... have so many kind of Buddhist or Hindu, or I think it's quite a few of those um, religions at least have a kind of reincarnation nirvana cycle. And I think Buddhism and maybe some other ones also. I mean, the way they treat animals. I mean, most religions treat animals in a certain way, but to kind of swear off like avoiding causing pain or causing misery into animals that's a very eastern thing there must be a connection there yeah there, there absolutely must be i think though that um where the catholics also really got pissed off at at the cathars mm. was they also rejected the priesthood the catholic priesthood that's the probably i mean that's really that's probably the one they wouldn't shout about but that will be the problem and they also labeled them uh and including the pope unworthy and corrupt Okay, yeah, so, I mean, you know, they weren't doing themselves many favours. I mean, they're probably right. Yeah. But, yeah, that's, I mean, not to get too, you know, pessimistic and sceptical and, and, you know, nihilistic, but that does seem to be one of the main draws of religion is as a way of controlling a populace from elites. And if you don't have a centralised clergy, you have everyone, like, helping them, helping each other out. You know, that's not a very helpful way to control people, so... Well, yeah, but it seemed to work for the for the Counts of Toulouse and Carcassonne. Smaller smaller places, though. And, and they sound kind of like it fits in with them, with them all discussing. You know, there's no central authority. This is the thing. So the, the, literally any Cathar could consecrate the Eucharist, the Eucharistic host, mm -hmm. and hear a confession. So two of the most powerful parts that separate the priesthood from the peasantry, basically. Yeah. They no longer have the power for. Yeah, holding the keys to heaven is a really, really powerful position to be in. And so a religion that doesn't do that, I can see why they wouldn't. You know, they don't want, the, from the Pope's point of view, he doesn't want his ability to be the person who lets who lets people into heaven to be questioned and to ha see other people have an alternate way through. I have to admit, I mean, there's a certain element of here, like, it's not necessarily people set out to create a religion to control people. It's just religions that tend to control people tend survive. to do better. Yeah, they survive a lot better yeah, this because is the they'll have more ardent followers. They'll set up this hierarchy, which is quite a strong structure. Mm. Whereas the Cathar structure sounds way better for your mental health and for yeah. community values, but is harder to come up against because they wouldn't have any. Because then you wouldn't have many people defending it from a professional level. Like you don't have clergy going you guys need to go to war to fight these other people. But because it was organic, they didn't need to. Everyone who lived in this region wow. were Cathars. Love it. Most of them were. I really like this. This is the thing. And because it was um, non-combative, mainly, because no one was fighting, yeah. it, was, it was seen as a good time, obviously. Mm. The other thing, the most important thing about this, though, is because they didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God, the sacraments meant nothing. It was valueless for them to take the Catholic... If you take Catholic doctrine, you're meant yeah, to yeah. take confession. Sorry, take the sacraments to let you into heaven. Yes. They don't believe that. 
So they so just didn't do it? No, well, they didn't need to because they were doing all this other stuff which would get them to the higher power anyway. Oh. So anyway, this, all of this, all these grumblings, the papacy were not having it. They <laughs> were, they, because the thing is, 1209, you've already had a couple of crusades. The crusades are ongoing. So mm. the papacy are suddenly really powerful. Yeah. And what happens? You get a pope who gets into power called Pope Innocent III. Very, very important pope. Powerful pope. With, uh, I assume, a quite an ironic name. Uh, well, quite, <laughs> yeah. And uh, and he was looking for a way to sort of flex in his new <laughs> his new role, right? That's such a weird thing to think of popes doing. <laughs> but of course they would. That's exactly what you would do. Yeah. But it is, yeah, here we go, lads. And he, and he, in power. You can just imagine, because he also sent a couple of crusades off this pope. So he is already that kind of guy. Wow. Right? And he looks out of his window in Rome, across the water, uh, he has binoculars, I'd say. He's been, he's been facing east for a while. He's been checking out, going, yeah, it's all going great over there. Look at all the power. And he turns around and he goes, what's that? Yeah, what is that? Exactly. You, yeah. boy, tell me what this place is. What's this ble- blemish <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. on my beautiful on my perfect world? Looking Christendom. at the map, going, look at this. So good. What? Why is it not extending? Why is this ending? Why is there this weird conclave in the southern of Francia? Yeah. <laughs> What's going I on? I thought we had this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And of course, what does he do? He goes and moans to, well, lots of people, but he goes and moans to the kings of France. And he goes, what the hell are you doing? And the kings of France are like, well, we really want all of that land, but they're really powerful and they're really strong. So we can't really do anything at the moment. Because mm. they've always... The, I feel sorry for the kings of France a lot of the time because quite often they just have so many powerful counts and like the dukes all around them. They haven't got a hope of controlling them. Mm. And it's almost a fluke that they eventually managed to <laughs> take it all over. Yeah. But he's and kind it of like, really well for them. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. So this is all happening. But in 1208, this is the spark that started what's going to happen. Okay. In 1208... Innocent III, not so innocent III, sent his papal legate to called Peter of Castle Now uh, into... Peter, sorry, Peter of Castle Now. Castle Now, yeah. <laughs> Peter of Castle Now. Yeah. <laughs> that just doesn't sound like a very Italian... I people think of Castle Now. <laughs> yeah. What does it sound French either? <laughs> it might have been Pierre. Pierre de, <laughs> Pierre de Castle Now. Yeah, yeah, there we go. I don't know. But he goes into... Um, <clears throat> Sorry, um, Pierre de Castelnau goes into the interior of of Toulouse and Carcassonne mm-hmm. and is murdered, right, by a vassal of the Count of Toulouse. Okay, so for what reason? Just accidentally, just or we don't know the details. <laughs> Pub fight, you know, yeah, probably something to do with the cat arguing over the football. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know. So they basically had a fight. He lost it. He's dead. But then he gave Not So Innocent the Third the perfect excuse to ding 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 launch a crusade. That's weird to launch a crusade that way. I know. Crazy. Could he get anyone other than the French to do it? Well, yes, he could. Really? He'd get all sorts of people, including the Brits. The Brits? I mean, invading France, it's but, kind of our forte. But in, in cahoots with the French. That's more irregular, but still. Well, crusades, though, are, you know, it's all Christendom against this common enemy. That's really interesting, though, because, like, the crusades were a huge part of, like, you know, third and fourth sons, you know, gaining land and gaining power in the Holy Land and stuff. Is there something that you could also gain power here as well? You could yeah. become a You could become a Count of Toulouse. Well, this is the thing. You had the Counts of Toulouse and you got the Counts of Carcassonne. That's a lot of land. And I suppose, actually, you know, it's much closer to Britain. It's probably more similar culturally to Britain. It's not it's this short... strange, crazy land. It's a short jaunt. Yeah, you can nip back any day. 
And at this time, the uh, the Brits actually control, or the English, I should say, controlled Bordeaux and um, Gascony. Ah, so they got a taste for so they're French there. wine, yeah. Literally, it's just a it's What's just all the wine? Yeah. I forgot, they've got tons of wine. <laughs> they do. So uh, the, the not-so-innocent III offered full remission of sins whilst on crusade. So what happens on crusade stays on crusade. Nice. And also you get land rewarded to you after the crusade ends. I mean... That's, I mean, that's perfect reasoning behind, like, religions with a strong central leadership surviving, because then you can have popes that can do this. Yeah. You know, arguably, you probably, the Cathars probably wouldn't have ever been able to launch a crusade, because there's no one person who can, like, push so much authority to drive people to fly away you know you need it's kind of like everyone disagreeing and they go or maybe some of us will go you can't get that so that's probably why yeah that is probably also like i mean being able to just say sins don't matter here Mm. that's like the purge like that's a (laughs) ridiculous thing for a pope like who was the the first pope to go yeah well i could just say like sins no matter like that's it like I just say, it doesn't count. Like this doesn't count here. Like that's ridiculous. It really like, is. Like that's God's law, and he's so that first pope is just like, yeah. But you know why? Why? Okay, the popes. That that pope. Don't ask me which pope it is. I can't remember. But that pope, the first pope who did it. Yeah. Yeah. Is looking out over so-called Christendom, which mm-hmm. is basically northwestern Europe, and is just seeing everyone killing each other, like mm. chieftains, warlords, kings. Dukes, counts, you name it. They're all killing each other. Mm. And he's like, stop it. This is against <laughs> God's law. You're not meant to be killing each other. You're all Christians, mm. you dickheads. So what does he do? He finds, he's clever. He finds out, well, he doesn't find out, that he knows that Jerusalem is controlled by Muslims at this time. Right. So what does he go? He's like, well, guys, if you like killing and stabbing, stop doing it to each other. Go attack those guys. It's oh, a pretty low bar, isn't it? Like, I know you guys are sinning a lot, but how about you just sin somewhere else and yeah. it's a bit better? Because those Sin guys, against people who don't really matter. Because they're not going to heaven. Exactly. They believe in the wrong version of the same God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, that is such a broad stroke. I don't want to offend anyone who is of those religions, but uh, that is It's kind of what they were doing, yeah. It yeah. was kind of what they were doing. But, um, oh God, so yeah, yeah, so what happens? He launches a crusade. Nice. Everyone turns up and they're launching the crusade against Cathars... Right, that whole area. Yeah, but the main the main lord down there is the Count of Toulouse, right? Because you got the big Toulouse guy, and then you got the Troncavels in Little Carcassonne. And Tol- is Tol- Toulouse is Cathar? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So this whole area is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, as soon as the crusade begins, right, the Count of Toulouse literally throws his mate under the bus. Really? Yeah, and joins the crusades. Oh my God! Yeah. And fully converts, presumably. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah have of course. To. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus. Because he knows, he sees the writing on the wall. There's no way that he could survive. But, of course, his little lord down the road is mm. now truly fucked. Wow. Because their big brother has just... <laughs> Couldn't he surrender, though, as well? Mm-mm. Or, but I suppose the, 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 crusade, the crusade's out for blood, isn't it? It yeah. wants to hit something. Exactly. Wow. So... It's like the prisoner dilemma. If you're in, like, a group of different states, like... The first person to fold will probably get treated the best. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so the counts of Toulouse keep their land safe, so they didn't lose really? any of their land. They kept their sovereignty. They just and they just threw this guy under the bus. I mean, you know, in the by there's a chance they then didn't make it to heaven. 
Well, maybe. They ended maybe. up in hell. Very in, possibly. In, like, consumed by that other evil demon earth. Well, I guess it depends. If you can convert to Catholicism, do you then save yourself from Cathar demon hell? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't think it quite works that there's different heavens and a different thing. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they might have like, but then also they could do it in secret, and it's like yeah. it's like Baba last time, like he converted to Sunni, I think. Um, and but the all reports here, like he didn't really just kind of like he did it. It's more embarrassing. It's expedient. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. embarrassing, and then makes it harder for him to like convince other people. But maybe they were just like, oh yeah, 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 definitely we'll do it. Because also, it's they both have to adopt a bunch of things that they don't think matters. It's not like it's sacrilege. Yeah. to do all the sacraments from their point of view it's just silly little rituals they have to do absolutely so if you're the trunk of elves right you've your best buddies up the road have just fucked you over you have two parts of your power you've got oh. carcassonne your big your big place but you also have bezier which is also hugely cathar and actually quite strong throw them under the bus that's well, what i do but you control both there okay. isn't another guy you can throw yeah, under okay, the bus. Right. <laughs> You can't just keep going just until you get a shepherd. the blame. Yeah, you yeah, get to yeah. a shepherd and you're like, this guy. This he is, did everything. It's all him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what do you do? You appeal to your other liege lord, the Counts of Aragon. Ooh, love it. But unfortunately, or sorry, not the Counts, the King of Aragon by this point. But he is also yeah. Catholic. I mean... I know. And unfortunately, they never get any help from the King of Aragon. But Aragon doesn't second. join the crusade. No, they do not. That seems. It's interesting that obviously, so the relationship between the Pope and the Kings of France, he chose the Kings of France to go to, not the Kings of Aragon, who could have done the same thing. But I wonder if that connection wasn't as close, whether the Kings of Aragon weren't as Catholic as the Kings of France, or well, they were because the Aragonese were huge Crusaders. Yeah, and and at this point, Mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. interesting, interesting that they chose not to, Mm. and interesting that they didn't join. Or were asked. Well, you'll find there's another part to this story that will come Oh, okay, up. right. <laughs> Don't you worry. You, you just hold on to that thought. I'll take a drink of water and wait. <laughs> so, the warfare begins, right? The Troncavels are on their own. Mm-hmm. So, they start fortifying Bézier and Carcassonne, right? Mainly Carcassonne. But they're thinking Bézier's going to be fine, right? Sure. They'll Sadly, mainly go after Carcassonne. You'd and, think. You know, no one but the Romans took it over before, so... This is the thing. And these are... Romans, because this is the Catholic Church, who were just Romans. It's history repeating itself again. Absolutely. But then, on the 22nd of July, 1209, the Crusaders not only take the city of Béziers, their small little second city, mm-hmm. but they sack it. Oh. And when we say sack, it's they rape, brutally murder, burn the place to the ground, salt the earth. Like, mm. we're talking proper... Proper brutal proper, like, sacking. Evil, you know, Lucifer kind of stuff, but sanctioned by the Pope. They spared literally no one. Really? As in literally no one. We how, get this. how the hell do you literally how the hell do you see that as being a Christian? Well let me let me tell you. So men, women, children, and even Catholic priests are put to really? the sword. Okay? okay. And these are these are these are ostensibly would have been on crusade with these same men had the Pope pointed them towards I mean I doubt they would be because they'd be Cathars but they might have gone anyway but the Catholic but the Catholic priests in uh, Carcassonne and Bezzi so presumably they were there trying to convert well, there was a little bit of Catholicism oh, there must have been yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but even them I guess everyone failures they also burned the cathedral down the Catholic cathedral that the Pope the not so innocent the third had sent 
Catholic knights and they burned down the Catholic cathedral. Ridiculous. Yeah. Some sources claim that a handful survived, whilst others say it was a literal total massacre. There's a little bit of thing, but it was a really bad one. The bishop who was in charge was Bishop Amaury, because the thing is, Crusades attend, especially this one, it was being led by a bishop. Oof. Right? And Amaury is said, apparently, famously said in reply to a soldier, which means he probably didn't say it, but I'm going to tell you. <laughs> yeah, anyway, yeah. Um, who asked how God would identify the Catholics. He said that God will know his own. Ooh. Wait, so it's like, yeah, we'll just kill the Catholics as well, and then God will sort them out at the end. Yeah, exactly. That's the pretty tron- messed. This is the thing. The, the Tronkevels were completely shocked by this. Really? Because to, to level a city, yeah, a Christian city, because you're in Europe. This isn't yeah. over in the Holy Land. Yeah. You know, this is Europe. Yeah, where all that's fine. <laughs> well, well, you know what I mean? But, yeah. you know, it was such a massacre. Um, And so six days, just six days after that massacre, mm-hmm. the Crusaders arrived at Carcassonne's walls. Oof. So this is the thing. I mean, you've got to make, like, that's no-win scenario and you could see the damage of resisting. Yeah, exactly. But then also surrendering sounds like it might not even go that well. Well, this is the problem. Mm. What do you do in, your, in this scenario? So there were two, the attack itself wasn't completely perfect for the Crusaders. Mm-hmm. So they, there were two main suburbs which the between the Crusaders and the castle. Mm-hmm. Okay, One was St. Michael's and one was the Castellar. So they're the two ones. On the 3rd of August, two days after arriving, mm-hmm. uh, the Crusaders stormed the St. Michael's suburb and swarmed over the low walls without too much difficulty. And they must have thought, oh, great, we're just going to carry on through, just parallel <laughs> through the yeah. whole thing. However, the Castellar was like the next level up. Think a bit like Minas Tirith. This is the sort of, I, I love how I'm going, Star the Wars. References the references here rings. are, yeah, <laughs> the nerdiest they've ever been. Yeah. It's like, it's sort of the, the next level. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. the Castellar is just below the fortifications and they're semi-fortified. Mm-hmm. And so they needed siege. First of all, they tried to attack, attack it with ladders and it went so poorly. And this is the thing. The Tronkavels are well-armed. These guys are... These aren't just, like, a load of farmers. These Rich are, from, you know, trade. So they are ready to fight. Yeah. And they have got a whole contingent. They've got a full army as well. Mm. Anyway, they, they try and take it, and they actually have to flee. The Crusaders flee. Really? Because they... They, they get repelled so badly. Yeah, exactly. And so what they do is they then go and make siege machinery and push that up to the walls. So it really is, like... The siege minister. It's quite, it's quite like the siege minister. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and then if the Rohan s- arrives. I'm throwing all caution to the wind. Oh, I'd love it if Rohan arrived. That'd be so good. But anyway, I don't know why. Aragon. Well, the Aragon. You should say so. The, the suburb was subjected to a bombardment. Right? Yeah. But they were still holding out. Mm-hmm. Then who turns up? The king of Aragon. 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 Aragon, Aragon shows up. <laughs> Literally, Aragon with an army of ghosts. Without the ghosts, unfortunately. Right. But uh, Peter II of Aragon arrives on the scene on the 5th of August. So th- this is this has only been going on since the 1st. So five days into this siege, right? right. But it's been unlike like big sieges. Hmm. Because it was at the very beginning, and because it was only semi-fortified, you're looking at like a street battle the whole time. So five days of fighting. Oof. Right? So that's bloody and rough and yeah. Yeah, grim. It's not attrition yet. It's still hmm. active warfare. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and he said... Uh, he actually brought his army. Okay. So if you're the Tronkavels, you're looking out and you see the Aragonese, you must have gone, oh, you hear a brilliant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Look to the east yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the fifth day. Was it the fifth day? I think it actually was. Oh, yeah. my God. I mean, that's the other battle, but it's near anyway. enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was Gandalf with them? 
<laughs> Peter the Second is not Gandalf. I oh. wish he was. Um, but he basically he turns up, looks at the Crusaders. I think it's sixth day. Okay, on the sixth day. <laughs> sorry, sorry, continue. <laughs> um, and he, it looks like he could about to attack. He might attack the Crusaders. Mm-hmm. Then he stops and thinks about it for a minute. He is got. He's got power because he's anointed by the Pope. Yeah. If he attacks the Pope, he loses all credibility as a king. That's a tough situation to be in, yeah. Right. So instead, and if you're the Crusaders, you're worried too, because you're not sure who these guys are. Yeah. There's no reason why you'd know that that's the Aragonese turning up. And we've talked about this a few times in this series, but besieging a city to then be attacked by an outside force is a really dangerous position to be in, because you have one massively fortified enemy and another on the outside you could get trapped you can get penned in like yeah. it's a really difficult situation to be in unless you're julius caesar in unless the you're julius caesar yeah <laughs> but they these guys aren't julius caesar no they it's are some not. dumb bishop exactly bishop and maori yeah. don't like him anyway instead he's caesar oh <laughs> uh, yeah aragon aragon <laughs> peter the second yeah. god peter the second uh instead thinks about it and goes okay i'm not going to uh, attack my the reason I've got power. Instead, I'm going to mediate. So he becomes the middleman. Makes sense. Because why not? He's also kind of the liege lord of the Carcassonese. So it's sort of like maybe he could like... Well, especially now that Toulouse has joined the other side. just chickened out. Yeah, Yeah. probably part of the crusade. I mean, he was. So that would be so bad. Anyway, so Peter gains access to the Carcassonne walls. And goes and speaks to... Mr. Tronkavel, mm-hmm. <laughs> the Count of Tronkavel. I've, I've never given you the name of him because there's so many names in this. Yeah, it's yeah. easier just to call him Tronkavel. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he tells this is a young man. The Tronkavel man is a young knight. Okay. Right. And Peter says to him, "Listen, mate, you're fucked. <laughs> I'm not Gandalf. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I haven't bought the Rohirrim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This um, hasn't. This is. This is. This isn't a story. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, there's just no way you're going to be able to defeat the Crusaders. Also, they're out for blood." And obviously, yeah. they've just sacked your second biggest city. He's got a lot of strong arguments. Yeah. And Tronkevel agreed that Peter should ask for terms on mm-hmm. his behalf, right? So then... It also probably makes sense from Tronkevel's point of view to now a, me- a third-party mediator would make it easier to get better terms, arguably. you know, Yeah. They can't just get completely steamrolled by the bishop and by going, well, we'll destroy you anything. There's this other force that hasn't attacked anyone yet, could attack, probably wouldn't, but at least can make it a fairer deal. Exactly. And and not, yeah, as you say, that they won't get too abused by it because he's a king. This is a count. It's a very different scenario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the bishop also can't probably couldn't like be awful in front of the king. Like it's it, yeah. he, he's the most senior member. I mean bishop and king mm. hard to do, but typically not higher, like the king, and especially a king that is liked or at least is a Catholic king. In service to the Pope. That's a hard also, to be. Yeah, because in terms of recruitments for the Crusades going to uh, the Holy Land, the Aragonese, as I said, were very, very much a massive recruitment driver. Yeah. So you don't want to lose that guy. Yeah. He's important. He is a really important deal. Yeah. He is, yeah. So Peter then returns. And the reason why Tronquevel was the so... The return of the king? Uh, return of the king. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. Sure. <laughs> so... One of the reasons why Tronquevel was convinced that he needed to relent mm-hmm. and sort of give up was because the situation in the city, everyone from the outside in St. Michael's and the St. Michael's suburb and the Castellar, mm-hmm. all of those citizens had just crowded into the fortress. Yeah. 
And unfortunately, there was very little water left, very little food left. Yeah. So they weren't ready for a long siege. This isn't like Stalingrad. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, You yeah. completely need to get on with this now. Because mm-hmm. Anyway, so Peter returns to the camp to ask for terms, but encountered a Maori. Ugh. A Maori didn't want terms. Oh, of course he didn't. No. He stated that Tronkvel could leave the city with 11 men if he surrendered. With 11 men and they'd kill everyone else. Yeah. That is... That's a tough position to start with, but, oh, God, I hate this guy. Yeah, I, know. I knew I didn't like him for some reason, but... I really dislike him. I mean, a guy. bishop leading a crusade, he's not tech- He's not going to be a good guy, is he, really? No. But, yeah, even among those ilk, he seems pretty awful. And if Tron- from Tronkvel's position, right, if he was to accept this, he has to... He get, he'll be branded a coward, and... It's not, would, definitely not worth it. He would let down his religion... We're not completely convinced he's entirely Cathar, but a mm. bit like Baba, he was doing it for his own yeah, yeah, yeah. power. But also his people. Like This is a local lord. This it's, isn't like a huge lord. He yeah. probably knew half of the city. And he's entirely just protecting himself. Like yeah. there's no... It's not like he's leaving with like the women and children or something. He is... It would be entirely selfish. Yeah, that's not a that's not a good... And it would probably end up being killed anyway. Exactly. Because they couldn't really let him roam free and then take revenge. So it's not exactly a... No. It's not a good deal. So Peter II of Aragon looks on as Troncavel sends his refusal mm-hmm. and the siege continues. So they were they then bring up their siege equipment and they bring up a huge wagon covered in ox hides, which would then keep them yeah, safe as yeah. a battering ram. And so they bring it up and they begin to dig under the walls as well and place explosives. So this is all... You know they had they... explosives now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 1209, they had explosives. Yeah, Interesting. Yeah. And they'd undermine walls by digging under it, and then they make the, the fortifications loose, and then they'd fall down. Really clever engineering. That is very interesting. So, and they would, so like, someone would play, like, place this bomb, and then one guy would run with a torch <laughs> and charge, and then shoot him with arrows, but he'd still get there. And Bring then him blow down, up. Legolas! <laughs> Should I'm just... not doing this. This is this story. <laughs> and actually, that massive wagon they just brought up. It's like oh, the, yeah. uh, the, the, the hound, what's it called? That it's like thing? Gronk or something. It? It's yeah. Of, yeah. Anyway, so um, they brought up Gronk. <laughs> I don't think it is Gronk, but... But, but the wagon that. was destroyed oh, by, brilliant. by the defenders, uh, which is pretty impressive. But they managed to do enough damage to bring the wall down anyway a few days later, on the okay. 8th of August. Started on the 1st of August. I'm so glad they started the 1st of the month. It makes it so much simpler. It does make it really easy, yeah. Yeah, so eight days in, they, they, they get through into the Castellar suburb, right? Right, okay. And they entered the suburb, but they were pushed back during the night. So this is going backwards and wow. forwards. Backwards so they and forwards. get in, but it's still the, the fighting inside. That's, wow, the Cathars and the Carcassonne, Carcassonne? Carcassonnes, I've called them. Carcassonnes. But- Fantastic fighters. I really love, they're really heroic in this, like resisting, because this is, like that's quite a steady series of losses. Yeah. But they are holding them off. And so, God, the... the the state of the people in there would have been... And it sounds like they are rallying around each other and then also having the kind of religious zeal helps yeah. them. You know, these are enemies to their religion more than they've ever been. Absolutely. Like, before they were just weird cousins. These are now people that have just decimated... Like, All their mates. Cathars probably... and Catholics. Like, these is clearly evil yeah. what is attacking them. Exactly. They would have seen them as Satan's beasts, yeah, basically. really. Coming at the gates. So, basically, what, they, what the Crusaders try and do is... They basically give up on trying to take the Castellar. Really? It's just too hard. You know what they do? 
they burn it to the ground Ugh. because they basically just started throwing loads of torches so that it couldn't be defended. Oh, so eventually... useless, rubbish, cheating. I know. So oh. you know what they then did? They sat back and waited. They didn't go oh. in. They wait, and the August sun was very oppressive, and the lack of water led to a rapid spread of dysentery in the city. Inside, yeah. Inside. Yeah. And so, therefore, Tronkevel eventually had to ask for more talks, mm. because he's watching his people die, even though they were so brave, and holding off the Templars, oh. and the, the Knights of France, and of, of the not-so-innocent the third. Yeah, oh, God. And he is given safe conduct passage out of the city to meet and discuss it. Right. Mm-hmm. However, as you heard at the beginning, the evil bastards broke their word wow. and seized him under a white flag. Oh my god, they're so evil. Yeah. So suddenly was the king there. The probably king not. was around still, but I don't think he was he Part was sidelined. They probably wouldn't do that in front of him because he would react badly. Yeah, but possibly. but then he probably didn't wouldn't do anything. Yeah, this is the thing. I think he he, he saw the writing on the wall. This is a small count. You know, he wants he wants to try and make this end more peacefully, but actually has no power to enforce that. And that might still come in handy later. Gandalf isn't finished, or Aragorn, or whoever the hell he's meant to Aragorn. be. Aragorn. <laughs> so, um, without their leader, mm-hmm. the city spends two days coming up with an idea and then surrenders. So two days after their lord has Debil- been deliberations, taken. and they just go, it's not worth it. Probably the right move. Yeah, exactly. Although, but then I, I guess the reason it would take them two days, it's like they could just butcher the butcher us. But then is like, that better than all dying from dysentery inside? Like die fighting. Yeah. But I suppose that's the thing. They don't decide to like charge out and die fighting. They char- they choose no, because this is not Tolkien. No, and people <laughs> don't do that. No, like that's don't. not. No one thinks that way. Like to. Oddly, the Templars kind of did that. But they're like... They're fanatics. They're fanatics, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Whereas a city is just people. Yeah. And actually, probably a lot of the most fanatical soldiers or the most, like, heroic soldiers are probably dead at this point. Yeah. So, yeah, you're not going to get a last stand. No, you won't. So, unlike, though, at Bézier, because mm-hmm. I think even Amari probably went, eh, went a bit too far there. That doesn't really look good with the optics. Yeah. You know? He has to return to... Is he from... Is he French? He's French, but he's... Obviously, he's a bishop, so his liege lord is... It doesn't... It really doesn't look good on him. No, it really doesn't. But also, he's in the right, in air quotes, because he's the Catholic, right? He's been sent by the Pope. He's in the right, so as long as... He's on the, the right Pope... side of history, let's well, put it that way. Well, not anymore, <laughs> no, yeah. because of this podcast. <laughs> I know, we're breaking yeah. him down. Bishop like, of Maori. He's also only in the right, so long as the Pope sees what he has done as right. Yeah. He, the Pope could turn around going, you went way too far, you are now sentenced to death for murdering all those catholics and destroying that cathedral and butchering those people like he on a dime they could change yeah although popes tend to not kill bishops because if you kill a bishop you can kill an archbishop and you can kill a pope because it's a bit like that he could still lose favor though oh absolutely and i'm not sure whether he did or not but unlike at bezier and probably because of all of the things you just said and because the king of aragon is there aragon aragon shush (laughs) Peter the Second, the Crusaders didn't kill them all. They didn't sack Carcassonne. Instead, and it's still really bad, they forced all of the inhabitants to leave completely naked. Oh, I know. That is just why. And Amari hoped. So this is the thing. He's such a dick. Mm. He hoped that their neighbours would be too scared to help them. It was like a if you anyone who helps them, I see. I'll kill them. right? Right. But you know what happens. Badly miscalculated. Mm. Instead, it led to a intensified guerrilla warfare. 
No way. Yeah. Hold your point. That's side game out again. That I'm was right a good point. Yeah, 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 that was a good point though. Yeah. Fucking hell, that's a good story. It is. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I'm also like this. I don't know how we've hit, hit so many. I love it when we do that though, because it, it just happens over and over again. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Why is that happening? Hmm. It's sometimes does that. It's now warmer in this um, room. Yeah, just like the world is warmer. Mm. It also maybe just like I can space it out. I might maybe um, next time put it on like a book or something, just so the fans got oh, a bit more time to remove. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, this is what's happened when you... This is just a work laptop. It's not like a... No, of course. Proper thing. Um, but yeah, good episode. Hmm. I'm trying to think. I think you've de- we've definitely talked about the Cathars before. The du- I knew there was going to be dualism in them. I think I... Yeah, I I think I spoke to you about it. I remember because I haven't... You had... don't think it's been in any of the episodes? No. Right, okay. Because no, no. I would. I think one of us would have remembered by now. Because mm. which one would it have been in? I mean, because this is happening in 1209. We haven't done one from that century. Um, Apart from the assassins, Emasia. Yeah, well, no, but like, the, but the Cathars presumably are around for quite a while. Uh-uh. Oh, really? It's a very short amount of time. After this, yeah, and before then, they were sort of just local to. And yeah. arguably, the you know this fits in with your research of Templars and stuff. So, yeah, presumably, it came out during that kind of whole hmm. spiel. So you're probably right, yeah. or you would have just heard about it elsewhere. I mean, I suppose, yeah, that's true. You know, I mean, it, the, there have been a few things done on it. And in fairness, I may have been looking up something and saw something on them and then yeah. didn't go for another book. Yeah. And I knew about them before we got um, the Stefan recommendation. Mm. And I've always actually thought about it, but I always thought it was too complex. But I, man- I think I managed to, God, trying to read Cathar Doctrine. I had to squish it. Oh, really? Really, really squish it. Yeah. And even then, my notes are so confused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I left out so many little bits. Yeah, well. As you do. You ready? Yeah, that's probably calmed down. So, uh, started a whole series the of guerrilla warfare. warfare. Yeah. So yeah, so that suddenly, when the, what they were hoping to do was take over Carcassonne and sort of extinguish the Cathar faith, mm. instead they intensified it. They went too far and they made them martyrs. Exactly. That's what happened. They didn't. They didn't kill the idea. Yeah. They just harassed the people and made the idea stronger and i guess it's tale they, as old as time if they had butchered carcassonne because the thing is carcassonne was a huge city it still is today mm. well not huge but for the time yeah um had they murdered thousands and thousands of them it might not have been such an intense guerrilla warfare guerrilla war but because so many of them had seen the horrors of war and were veterans of it yeah. They then took all their learning and took it to the hills. And that's the thing about the area around there. Whilst it's all flat around Carcassonne, mm. the Longadoc is very hilly. Right, so, so quite easy much... to like hide and yeah. launch grill attacks. And honestly, these wars, this war, it's called the Albingensian Crusade, goes on and on and on. Did it lead on straight from this or did they leave and come back? Both. They really? went straight on. Then they kind of loads of lords leave because they're like, oh, I've had enough. So it's of them trying to finish their what they had started. There's, it's a purge. Wow. That's what it is. This is literally a purge. So what happened to poor Tronkevel after being betrayed under a white flag? Oh, poor guy. Sadly, even though it was never really confirmed that he was a Cathar himself, he was clearly a Cathar sympathizer. Yeah. Um, he was incarcerated in his own castle dungeon. Oh. And died soon after in prison. That's really sad. Probably from dysentery. And Oof, actually, some sources end. believe that he may have been poisoned. 
Uh, because well, again, yeah, yeah. why wouldn't you? Like, just if he lived, yeah, he's someone to rally around. Yeah, but then by killing him, they had to be careful. Has it becomes a martyr. Yeah, so they didn't kill him in public. Publicly, Katakata's head off said, "Oh, we just died of dysentery." Exactly. Yeah, that yeah. does feel like yeah, that's a much better way for someone to. Someone just happened to die. It feels more like God's will. It's like Osceola. Do you remember Osceola in yes. the seminal episode? Yeah, yeah. He, uh, um, yeah, he he died of dysentery in air, mm. air quotes, and so then it was just like oh. So yeah, uh, despite uh, despite obviously the death of Troncavel, they didn't give up hope in the Cathar faith, mm. but eventually it was pretty much stamped out. It is eradicated. But yeah. it takes so long. We're talking years. And it, wow. there's a couple more flare-ups. And it's, so it's it's proper like underground and and did you say that like they have like um cuz they said they didn't have crosses, they had like like a well, circle yeah, thing. Well, I, I imagine so they'd be like they that. That would be like yeah. school. Why? Why imagine like? Well, because circle? I think they talk about the spheres. I read somewhere that they had the sw- the spheres of white and the spheres of black. Oh, okay. As to show the two, the duality of of of, of God. Ah, yeah. So I then it's I kind then of yin and yang creatively. Oh, I see. Painted that on the wall. I don't know whether that, but I know that they didn't worship the cross. So I also presumed. pretty bad one. And also There'd be the, some sort of like all the chalices like, and the saints and stuff. Uh, none of that. They'd they, have, yeah, yeah, they'd have walls with kind of like a like a ring on it, so they kind of become like a sort of fellowship of a of a ring of some kind, don't they? That is that is such a stretch. <laughs> and there were two towers as well. Somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Carcassonne probably has two towers. It all fits. <laughs> so poor old. Tro- this is like the, this is the tragic tale of the Troncavels, basically. Yeah, and the Cathars, and the Cathars. in general. Yeah, but more to do with them, and and they were so brave and held out for so long, and. And then just like fell mercy to the horrors of Christians thinking they're doing a good thing. Absolutely. Deus Volt. What's that? God wills it. Oof. God. <laughs> Even that Deus Volt sounds evil. Well it was it was the um the charge, that was the crusading charge. Deus they said Deus Volt as really? the uh, as they charged into the Muslims. Oh. Yeah. Makes sense actually. Probably won't include this, but I only recently watched um Kingdom of Heaven. I'd never seen it before. What? Yeah, me and Joe watched it when we were at home. What do you think? It's pretty good. I'd say we also watched Troy, and I'd say Troy is much better. Interesting. But I did really... I think I liked... I didn't like Orlando Bloom. I think I liked everything else in it. Yeah. But he was quite annoying. I love Jeremy Irons in that film. Jeremy Irons is brilliant. Um, oh, so is um, Lupin. Yes, Lupin's really good in it, yeah. Was he a, a ghost? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you point. never know if he's actually there or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then... And then also... Um, uh, fuck. Um, Liam Neeson. Brendan Leeson. Oh, Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson and Brendan Leeson. Everyone's in it. Yeah. And and the guy who plays Saladin is amazing. What is Jerusalem worth? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything. He's so so great. And he's like, how many many battles did the Muslims win before I arrived? (laughs) Like, it was just... He's amazing. He is, yeah. But yeah, and because they're constantly saying God wills it. But I guess they would probably have said Deus Deus Volt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Wow. So on that, on that note, uh, that's the end of our episode. Uh, Patrick, what have we got uh, to look forward to in two weeks' time when we have our penultimate episode? Our penultimate episode and our final city we'll be covering. So this time we are going pretty far from Carcassonne, from the warm winds of southern France to the cold north of the American continent, Canada, which Ooh. is somewhere we haven't been before, I don't think at all. I don't think at all. No. I don't, yeah. I mean, you know, that's why we kind of wanted to do another city series to go a bit further afield. Yeah. Because this 
this week. I was going to say this week. So next time we will be looking at the city of Montreal and I will be telling you a rather monumental event that happens in Montreal that is very important to the the French there, the English there, the Dutch there, and most importantly, the Native Americans there. Interesting. Or the First Nation tribes there. Okay. So I know absolutely nothing about that time period or Montreal itself. So apart from obviously my tale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, Which is actually kind of similar time period. So you know a bit about it, but yeah. Yeah, but really not that much. So I look forward to hearing all about that. Uh, all that's left to say is thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Go tell a friend, leave us a review wherever you're listening or even just a rating. That'd be really, really great. Mm-hmm. And we'll see you next time. See you next time. Mm-hmm.